Hey everybody, welcome to We've Got to Beat, the podcast devoted to teen entertainment from the 80s and beyond. I'm your host, Michael, and Mindy's on the other side. Give me a fucking cookie, yeah! <laughs> Dang, you, were, you did that, and you did it at super, super speed. I so. did, like a, re- a real radio announcer instead of the amateur hour bullshit. <laughs> and I usually oh, talk to oh, you. Oh, oh, you sounded like a, 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 an auctioneer. Almost. Oh, that's good. Uh, well, I noticed that uh, if I record standing up, it's a lot easier for me to breathe and kind of like clear my thoughts because I'm not like squishing down on my diaphragm. <sighs> Professional. Dude, whatever you gotta do, dude. In radio, they told you breathe from your stomach, and I'm like, how the fuck do you do that? I'm like, <laughs> you know, from my chest. So, I guess if that's you what... were a singer, you would understand. Yes, I know, but I don't think I have the ability to breathe through my stomach. It's very strange. Um, so this episode, we're going to be discussing two, well, I thought they were set at schools when I originally, well, actually, originally we planned on doing two different movies and uh, it was Sky High and Zoom and I watched Zoom and I said, this sucks shit. (laughs) So, uh, we kind of scrambled and looked for something else and we landed on New Mutants, which, um, I think is horribly underrated and got basically maligned before it was ever even out. I hate it when that happens with movies, like word of mouth. Before anybody's even seen. Technically, they th- they were told they're out of school, though, right? And that's the part I missed. I thought it was an old mental. I thought it was a school at first, and I said, "Well, is this like an old hospital?" You're probably right, though. I think that it still counts, and I don't give a shit. Yeah. Um, like I said, Zoom. I, the difference between Sky High and Zoom is this. Uh, the guy who watched, or the guy who wrote Zoom and put it together, had no love for comic books, almost like disdain for it, like uh, the way that Harold Ramis almost directed Galaxy Quest, where he was mocking Star Trek fans. Where this almost feels like just a shit on you piece of, you know, it's a boring piece of garbage. Where Tim Allen is just the absolute fucking worst. Whereas Sky High, everybody in, involved clearly loves what they're doing. They love the mythology of comic books and uh, the lore that they can build in, in, in those worlds. And while there is some stuff that's kind of silly, it is a comedy, but yeah. it doesn't really mock the genre. It, it just, it's silly behavior. A lot of it is a no, John, it's really a I John Hughes movie. They really, they really lean into the, um, I mean, yeah, sometimes it feels a little cheesy, but they really lean into the style. So it's like, yeah, they're not mocking it. They're, it. Yeah, it doesn't have the highest budget, but here's the thing is I've always said with special effects I would rather have something that wasn't uh, Convincing to the eye As long as it's creative and that's what they do in Sky High. They know they have a limited budget I think it was like 35 million dollars and What they did was just be imaginative and I, I really enjoy that kind of stuff Yeah, plus you'd rather them like not have, you'd rather them spend more effort on creating you know, a story and characters that are likable, you know, if that, if that works, then the, the special effects don't matter as much. Right. I and, think, in my opinion. And a lot of it's the heart. And here's the one sticking point I do have with Sky High, and it's not like a terrible sticking point, but there is, the first third of the movie is about him trying to live up to his parents' Uh, expectations. Actually, the whole world has expectations based on who his parents are, and he has no powers. And trying to deal with that and acceptance is almost a metaphor for you know, like being gay or or, or some sort of 
something that uh, society isn't automatically like, cool, we're great with that. It's like, can't you just not be, you know, the, uh, yeah. they did that, what, in uh, X-Men 2 when they, they asked uh, Iceman, he goes, have you ever thought about not being a mutant or something like that? You know, that metaphor. And then they give him the powers and that kind of undermined what I thought they were trying to do with the first third. Yeah. But in general, though, it is a very fun movie and uh, lots of respect for anybody who showed up in this and gave it their all. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact they cast really good character actors, really reliable yeah. character actors who were there like, oh, I have a shot at a studio film. I I'm not going to whiff this. I mean, of course, we have Kurt Russell. He's the big name in this because he's already the established star, and he doesn't phone this in at all. He looks like he's having the the time of his fucking life making this movie. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I was taking a drink. No, it's okay. That's that's partly like like uh, what I was saying. They really lean into like the cheese, but I I mean, but it's fun. Like he, yeah, he's, they seems like they're really enjoying the the. Um, it's almost schmaltzy at times with him, uh, but but it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, I mean, the relationship, the chemistry that he has with Kelly Preston is phenomenal. And I almost felt like they had to have worked together before in something else. I looked, nope. I couldn't find anything. Uh, <laughs> it's just like, I guess. They, they, but you never know. You know, they might have been friends in real life or something. That's you true. Just don't know. Yeah, because there's just such a comfort between the two of them that I really enjoyed. Plus, I, I mean, obviously, there's no way I could really know this, but my gut tells me that Kelly Preston was a truly lovely person. Yes. I really I mean. Makes me really believe that. I'm not going to go into some diatribe about uh, Scientology right now. Um, no, that's it's besides what she, who she was as an actress, what she brought to the screen. I don't know what she was like in real life, but she clearly loved what she did. And I, I don't think I ever saw a bad performance, even during the '80s when her career was starting to dip down. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, in the beginning she was doing a lot of like exploitation films and lots of nudity and stuff like that. But oh. at no point did she seem like she was ashamed of it. She was just like, "This is what it is. I want to be an actress," and um, you know. It is what it is. Like the way Jamie Lee Curtis treated yeah. a lot of her roles. She never looked down on the Grindhouse movie, you know, horror stuff that she did or the nudity that she did. Um, and, and I respect actors like uh, actresses like that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think she gave a hell of a performance in this. And I think, what was it? Jerry Maguire was kind of like her big return to, you know, like seeing her on the big screen or whatever in studio films. And then it seemed like she just kept building from there. Um, I don't think that she was in Jerry Maguire. Not, yeah, she's in the very beginning. She's the one that Tom Cruise is having sex with. Oh. Yeah, because I okay. think I think she had been off the screen for a really long time. Okay. After she <laughs> got, like, I don't remember. So she oh. must not have been a small part. Okay. Um, but let's talk about the younger cast because this is what we're here for. Um, is this what is Michael Angaro? What is he from? Or Angarano? I don't know how to say his name. What was he in before this? Because I feel like this is his big uh, breakthrough. I feel like I've always known him though, like even younger than this. Oh, sure almost what. famous. He's the younger version of William. That's that's right. That's, okay. That's why he's the younger William. Yeah. Um, 
I'm a big fan of his. You know, I think that he is definitely more of a character actor. Um, but it, it's so nice to just uh, to continue to see him like evolve and like he's you know he's still acting now and um, you know being on really good TV shows that I like and um. He's done a lot of stuff over his career that he should be super proud of. Yeah. Even well, if they're things that, you know, people maybe haven't, that aren't super, super popular, like, for example, the brass teapot. Um, I don't know, some other things that I really enjoy um, that, that he's been involved in. Have you seen the brass teapot? No, but I've heard of it, but I, I is that the one that he oh. wrote directed? Uh, I'm not sure if he directed it. I know uh, that he was on the Leonard Malton pod, uh, podcast that he has with his daughter, and he was a guest on there, and he talked about, oh. you know, he got his taste of the big studio films, but he felt like a lot of it, well, well the one that he did with Jackie Chan and Jet Li felt kind of impersonal because there's so much special effects and stunts, and oh, that, he was more interested in smaller scale human stories. You know, and, and so he decided when he got to a certain age that he was going to start, you know, developing projects and writing and directing and producing. And I deeply respect that. Oh, absolutely. If you can in any way kind of take control of your career and what stories you want to tell, I think that's incredibly respectable. That's like the most respectable thing to do. Yeah. And, and all the young actors in this, it seems like it had the highest quotient... Quote? I, I don't know what fucking words mean. Let's just say highest percentage, hey, <laughs> of young actors that went on to successful careers as adults. I mean, I, absolutely. I, Daniel Panabaker, is she still on The Flash? The Flash is still on, right? I feel like it is. I don't know. Yeah. I haven't watched it in years. It's too stressful. It's It felt like they were kind of doing the same story over and over. Oh, another Flashpoint. Great. <laughs> well, well, it's just the, the thing is, it's like, First, it started at Arrow, and then Flash, and then it got to the point where there was like five shows in the universe, and you were like, it was just so much of a commitment to try to keep up with all these sto connecting stories. Right, yeah. Like four, and I had to stop. Yep. So, but yes, do I have a deep, like, I do really appreciate her. You know, she had a lot of like, um, you know, Disney stuff in her early days to kind of build up her credibility and stuff like that. But yeah, she's done a lot of stuff, and uh, yeah, it's interesting that probably the two well, two of the bigger things of her career were playing superheroes. Yeah, and and she did a lot of horror movies too. And I know she did the Friday the Thirteenth remake, and maybe one of the Prime oh, yeah, movies. But, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, speaking of horror and superheroes, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. This is the first time I had ever seen her. And then after this, she just seemed like she was everywhere and like everywhere. really good performances. Because I think right after this is when she did Final Destination 3, which I think is the best one, the one oh, on the yeah. roller coaster. Um, I know she's in Death Proof. And it seemed like she went more independent stuff for a while. But I thought she was fucking amazing as the Huntress in Birds of Prey. I mean, she's just generally like a really, I think she's a really good actress and always has been. Um, you know, um, I'm a huge, huge fan of um, Scott Pilgrim. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, and she was uh, McClane's daughter. Uh, I forgot. I don't uh, know this, what? I live for your die hard. She's John McClane's daughter. Right. Now, I don't necessarily think she's the best part. Um, Scott Pilgrim, but there's a, 
She did a lot of interesting stuff. Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. She's really done a lot of interesting things. Yeah, I think she has uh, excellent taste in what, I mean, not, it's a fun taste in what she's choosing to do. Not all of it works. I've never seen that Abraham no. movie, Abraham Lincoln movie, but, you know, I think she has excellent taste. I mean, generally, I think it's stupid, but I understand why she would have been interested in doing it. Well, we all uh, thought it was cool when we first heard about it. Then we were like, this is wild. And then we saw the trailer. I was like, I don't know about this now. <laughs> Uh, also, she has good taste in men because now she's married to Ewan McGregor, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I would marry Ewan McGregor too. Hey. I would, yeah. <laughs> you know, all of us think he's pretty dreamy. Anyway. Um, Stephen Strait, uh, who I think broke, I he broke out first in, of all the people uh, in this because wasn't it right after this is when he got the Covenant and. Covenant? Yeah. So, I BC. Think so. Was that 3000 BC or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think all that stuff was kind of around the same time. Um, I think he's really like, oh, I really like that Magic City, too. It was a bit, kind of a short-lived TV show on stars with Jeffrey, um, what's his name? Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yes, right. I don't, I don't know if you ever saw it, but it was... I liked it. It, it looked cool. Um, I would say the relationship that uh, all these characters have together, too, is it works so well. I love that Stephen Street is supposed to be the bad guy. Yes. <laughs> and that he's so frustrated because he can't get what he wants. <laughs> he can't be the bad guy because no one will let him. <laughs> yeah, when they all like sit down with him, he's just like, what are you guys not understanding about our dynamic here? And they just are like, no, we're just going to change it. And the thing is, it's like, yeah, he tries to be the villain, but but it's sort of good because this movie really flips the script and like, uh, you know, it's not... It, like it's more complicated than that, you know. Yeah. Well, it's always uh, a cliche. Relationships are more complicated. Yeah, it's always a cliche in the comic books that whenever two heroes yeah. meet or whatever, they have some arbitrary, stupid fight. It's usually like you know miscommunication or, or some sort of misunderstanding or whatever. And this kind of spoofs that, but it's just like you know, your dad fought my dad, so apparently we have to fight too. Why? I don't understand. He's like, we just have to. <laughs> yeah. Um. The one that I was truly shocked when I saw this was Nicholas Braun, who, this is 2005. Oh, crap. He's the one with the spiky blonde hair. Yeah. Wait, I think he was playing a high school oh. student like eight or nine years later in Freaks of Nature. Dude, I kept thinking, he looks familiar. I wonder why. And then I just kind of forgot. That makes so much more sense. I love the... And I love the fact that the writer and director did a really good job of... They're never really... I don't want to say the butt of a joke. They have powers. They want to be heroes. And it's other people who treat them like they're, you know... Yeah. I mean, if you put them in a comic book, they really would not be, you know, any sort of real team. But they found a way to use their powers effectively, you know, to save the day. And they worked as a team. And I just love the fact that... it. Who said, was it Kurt Russell that says, you're, you're not sidekicks, you're all heroes or something like that? I think so. Yeah. I love that. They, yeah, <laughs> I think it's really about perspective, though. It's like, you know, Bruce Campbell, by the way, he looks so good in that movie. I was like, dang, this really was a long time ago, wasn't it? Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, That he just, you know, just disregarded people so quickly and was just like... Uh, I mean, that is kind of, you know, I mean, this is kind of a metaphor for reality, like yeah. different aspects, you know, using superpowers in the place of, like you were saying, you know, normal, normal everyday things like 
I don't know, being a homosexual or being a person of a different color. Like, or, or having they can be disregarded. It can literally be something as simple as just not having a talent for something that your parents are good at, or that they yeah. want you to be good at, like baseball yeah. and shoving it up your ass and being mad yeah. when you don't want. To... Or <laughs> it's like yeah, how how you know men in sports and women and like I mean beauty pageants and shit like that. Yeah, what the yeah. fuck is that? <laughs> Why are like... they? Well, no four year old should be dressed up in a tiara and a dress and makeup. What the fuck? Unless it's yeah. for goofy, like, you know, fun time, not for a contest. Yeah. Um, so, I, I think that's the, you know, it's, it's, it's a very good example of just, you know, the uh, importance that people can, everybody has something to contribute, um, and you shouldn't disregard people so quickly. Yeah. Don't well, be dicks, yo. And, and Bruce Campbell's character Boomer in Kurt Russell drops a hint that like he used to be big shit in high school but failed as an adult. That's why mm-hmm. he's a coach yeah. now. And that's why he kind of lashes out and treats the kids like shit because he can never make it in the big leagues as a superhero. Yeah, and who's the most committed person in this t- entire story? Kevin it's Haffernan! Kevin. <laughs> yes, that's yes, what I was going to say. The bus driver who is so devoted to the school and the kids and the whole way of life and he's the only person they allow near them who doesn't have powers did they explain did i miss to contribute how did he get up how did he even link up with them how did he get that job i don't know exactly but it said that he was a child of two heroes that didn't get powers that's all i think that's all they said about him um i think yeah i think his performance is absolutely phenomenal i've been watching that show um Tacoma, Tacoma Fire- FD. Yeah. Oh, I love that stuff so much. <laughs> I feel like we've been robbed of a lot of Broken Lizard movies. I feel like there should be like five more, and yeah, they're so sporadic. <sighs> yeah, but sometimes they're just... Some of them are not great. I like all of them. I'm dead serious. I love uh, Club Dread. I love uh, Beer Fest, and I love Slam and Salmon. Slam and Salmon, the one that was like their last theatrical, barely theatrical, is maybe their best. Uh, I might have to revisit them all to be able to uh, weigh in on that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I do very much like him, and I like, okay, guys, you three people who are listening, because I'm sure we've lost a person by now, um, go watch Tacoma FD. Like, it's a really a nice, um, delightful ridiculousness in the difficulties of our world today. The end. The, uh, the director of this, I believe, is the director of either the hot chick or the animal. I can't remember. And he knows his comedy. Like, he has his comedy chops for choosing people who work really well together. The funny thing is, thing is Dave Foley and Kevin McDonald are in this, and I don't recall if they ever worked together. Did they even have a scene together? Mm, I don't think so. I fucking love him. Love Kevin McDonald when he does his... There's a very particular thing that he would do on Kids in the Hall, and he does it in Vader Zim, and this is kind of like the obnoxious, overly confident, (laughs) slightly lunatic (laughs) gentleman. Yes. Um, Oh, it was Deuce Bigelow is what he directed, Deuce Bigelow. um, Also, I think this was the first time I didn't realize it that I had Jim Rash. I don't think I really knew who Jim Rash was until Community. Uh, and then I was like, oh, 
Oh, okay. Oh, see, I get Jim Rash. Okay, and there's a guy. You've seen Eurotrip, correct? Uh, yeah. Okay, do you remember the scene with the mime? We're, we're going to do Euro Trip and Road Trip sometime soon, but there's a guy in there, I can't remember his name, but they look so similar that I get the two of them confused. I didn't realize it's Jim Rash. I fucking love Jim Rash, and this is that demented jester. He kills me. I mean, he's, he's quite funny. If I come um, back for Halloween to see you, I want you to play Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character, and I want to play that character. I want to play that crazy little I, jester. That's, that's <laughs> Well, they both rose at the same time, and yeah, they were both kind of character actors who bounced around. It wasn't until, like, Community, and then, of course, Jim Rash got all the attention from uh, the Way Way Back and Descendants, I think, is what he wrote. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. So he, he kind of, like, it, it moved up. If there was a race between the two of them, he kind of moved into the lead with that. Well, yeah, he, you know, he changed the narrative. You know, he, he made himself more than... He made himself more bankable. He's not just a an actor anymore. He's you know a creative, more creative person than that. Huh. This I is mean, from. Those, uh, those are some good movies. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize this is. I mean, I don't know the show very well, but this is from the creators of Kim Possible, who wrote this while doing the show, show at the same time. Is that a good show? Is it a good show? Have you seen it? I mean. I don't know. It's okay. Okay, because I saw that there was a new live-action version of it on Disney Plus, and it kind of grabbed my attention. Oh, uh, I don't think that I, I don't think that was something that I ever really uh, was too interested. I might have seen a couple episodes, but it was a cartoon, so. Okay. Oh, I just know so that girl from Eve Does that make it right? more appealing or less? I, I don't, don't know. know. Um. And, and I mentioned this is this takes some of the template of a John Hughes movie from the 80s and it really hammers it home when you listen to the soundtrack which is all like remakes of 80s songs yes that's super enjoyable yes the um I, I think that this is one of the more superior this is before Disney went ape shit with buying other people's properties and I'm kind of surprised that Sky High didn't continue in some way you know as an animated series or a live action series yeah to like they their contracts made them you know uh, obligated to a sequel or a series if it came to that. I, okay. I mean, I would have enjoyed seeing this as a series. Yeah. I mean, it it made money. It didn't make a ton of money, but I mean, we've seen now that Disney is just bringing everything back. We got a Hocus Pocus two when the first one didn't very make very much money. What's I saw something else they were reviving. Oh, here I'm confused why Disenchanted is going straight to Disney Plus when the first one made like three hundred million dollars worldwide. That's a lot of money for a little, you know. Just, why did Why did Hocus Pocus two go straight to Disney Plus? The the sheer nostalgia uh, of of the you know that's built up over time would would ensure that people would have spent lots of money. Yeah, I, I think them buying the properties they bought was the worst fucking thing that could have happened at Disney because now they're so reliant on those and yeah. people are clearly getting burnt out. They've thrown away Pixar, they threw away all their original properties, they shut down uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, the the overhaul, I guess you want to call it, the reboot with, um, uh, she played Harley Quinn, what's her name? 
can't remember. Uh-huh, fair, yep. Um, but it's just like, now they're like, well, it's all Marvel. I was like, guys, you are running out of Marvel stuff, okay? I mean, you're really starting to get to the bottom of the barrel because you're running out of I new mean, characters. I mean, they're, they're getting to Team C here, baby. Yeah, uh, the Star Wars thing is almost all TV now. I They don't care about the Muppets. What the fuck are they doing? I mean, the The Haunted Mansion Muppets was the bomb-ass movie of my life. I, I just feel like they're, they're so focused on stuff that already existed instead of creating their own properties that they could yeah. build up on. And Sky High seems like an obvious for a franchise no, that, of some sort. I think sort. that that would be a really good show. Uh, or at this point, dudes, they could have like a, they could have a, a sequel. Oh yeah, a high school reunion movie. Now. Oh yeah, I mean, they're probably what, mid-30s now? Yeah, call it Sky High Reunion, you know? Yeah, dope. I love reunion movies. We know we love reunion yeah. movies. Um, so um, yeah, this is definitely the superior of any of the... Uh, well, I guess there was only this and, and Zoom, but I feel like there was another one at the time where... I feel like Zoom... Did this come out like within the same year? Almost. Like it was... I think, I think it was literally a year apart. August of 2005 and August of 2006. But Zoom was not a Disney movie, right? Because that no, was dumb. It was Sony. It was uh, Revolution Pictures did it for Sony, and they spent twice as much on that as they did mm. with this, and it looks like shit. They should have spent more money on casting. Yeah, or a better script, honestly. Uh, but I didn't. It, I didn't actually get around to watching it again. No, it's I, fine. I, I will say this. Yeah. I remember very much preferring Sky High as well. Yeah, the only thing they got right was the fact that um, Tim Allen plays a hero who failed horribly. And yeah, I just, you know, Tim Allen is just so smug. It's hard yeah, to that's what ruins the movie, is if they had cast somebody I would have loved. I know he wasn't old. God, I'm trying to think of somebody who was at that time like 50 years old that would have pulled it off with some empathy, and I just I can't think of it right now. But... Um, uh, the other movie we want to discuss is New Mutants, and this is a movie that was, I think, ready to go in theaters uh, fall of 2018. And yeah, that's when it was supposed to be released. And the, as far as I understand, it was the the acquis the Disney acquisition that stalled it for two years. Well, they did a lot of reshoots too, because if I remember correctly, the first. Uh, showing of it went well with uh the test audiences but it didn't test well with like the fox executives like here's the thing is executives you really shouldn't be overriding what the audience thinks if the audience likes it you should probably be and they're like well it's too dark we can't sell this to kids you know it's it's, it's basically an r i think it may have actually been r-rated in the first edit and uh, that's stuff you can sure? just I mean, he wanted it to be a horror movie, yeah. right? Yeah, he plan always planned for it's a it's a low budget movie. It was like thirty five million dollars. It was always intended to be a darker horror film, and, and then they took it and they did reshoots, and then those reshoots tested horribly with audiences, and then the 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 studio was like, well, let's just put this on the back shelf and try to figure out what the fuck to do. And I think the version yeah. that we see, I think the version we see is the original version. So they spent so much more money reshooting it and reshooting and, and test audiences and then pushing it, pushing, pushing, pushing. Then COVID hit, so that pushed it back again. And then when it came out, it was like, we're still in the heart of COVID, you know? I mean, no one's yeah. got the vaccines yet. And they're just like, well, ah, fuck this. Just put it out or whatever. Maybe it'll make a little bit of money. And I think it was like, oh, my God, a movie opened at $9 million. It's a miracle. <laughs> Which is so weird to hear now. 
it's just so. I mean, it says that the original version was like two hours or two over two hours, and this the version that you that got released is an hour and thirty four minutes. So there's like twenty five minutes that exist in War that we may never see, and it's like you can feel that it's it, it is kind of choppy. Mm-hmm. Compressed. Although I do I do believe that the guy did the best he could under so many circumstances that fuck this up. I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I'm saying that it feels... You you can feel that there are things missing. Yeah. Well, I mean, Fox was fucking up all their franchises by this point. I yeah. almost wonder if they were doing it on purpose. Because, look, they, they fucked maybe. up... Huh? I said maybe. Maybe they were pulling a... a what's that? Mel Brooks movie? <laughs> oh, producers? I was thinking they're pulling... They're, they're pulling yeah, I mean, they fucked up the Die Hard franchise, and that was the first sign, like, huh, that's weird. Why would you screw that up so bad? That's like your, you know, meat and potatoes franchise right there. Like, how do you even fuck up Die Hard, dude? Yeah, they fucked up Kingsman, they fucked up X-Men, because, oh yeah, we're going to do uh, Dark Phoenix again and get it right. What? You just, oh. it's like, the uh, it, yeah, they just, it came like, seemed like they were just screwing up everything. The only thing they didn't manage to screw up, I think, it was Planet of the Apes, thank God. Um, uh, yeah. But... It's just one of these movies where I think it was like the way Waterworld was, where the bad press and all the word of mouth beforehand, yeah. before anybody even saw a second of the movie, it yeah, already did. Yeah. Yeah, I and, agree. And why would you, why would you go about trying to fuck shit up? Like, I just don't understand. Like, they almost, yeah, it feels like they were pulling up producers and they were trying to tank it. Yeah, it's almost as if they're like, well, let's get this studio sold because they don't want to look at this crap anymore. Like, what was his name? The guy who owns Fox? Well, I can't remember. Murdoch. Uh, Rupert Murdoch was like, ah, we're losing so much money. We got nothing left or whatever. And Disney's like, I smell blood in the water. <laughs> I'm truly twisted. But, I, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised even a little bit. I think what really disappoints me is, like, truthfully, all these actors are, are really quality. Yeah, they got I, fucked over. Yeah, and I think I, I can give a little bit of credit to the criticism of the uh, accents because they are yeah. they're a little I big. I mean, that <laughs> southern accent is really hard. Actually, all the accents you're right are a little much. Yeah, <laughs> but I'll give them credit for actually going for it. And it's if you read the original comic, which I don't think you, I think you're way too young to read the original ones. Yeah, um, no, I've never. They were it did the way that uh, Chris Claremont wrote them. They did have big swing for the fences kind of accents, and um, this is I, I read it sporadically, and I, I had not read it at the time of the Demon Bear Saga. Um, I was too young for that, but I went back and read it, and it's pretty spot on. I will say this: the comic book art, while very very stylistic, it's very hard to understand what the fuck is happening. So I think the movie did a good job of respecting what they did. But also making it more tangible, I think, visually. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is the original team. I think the only person missing was Karma, who basically just uh, read emotions, if I remember correctly. Everybody else is the original team. At the point that I started reading it, almost everybody was gone. All they had was, I thought her name was Magic until I saw the movie. I had no idea that was just a different spelling for Magic. The <laughs> Ann Taylor-Joy character. Is she is Colossus? Anya, Anya, I think her name's Anya. Oh, okay. Um, she is Colossus's Colossus's sister. That's a hard thing to Why say. Why don't they ever? 
Why don't they ever say anything about it? I don't know. She's the only one that's related, if I remember correctly, to anybody who's already an X-Men. This movie almost acts like it's not even aware that the X-Men exist. I, I actually, I'm not 100% well, that, certain. Is that is that Xavier's school? No. Okay. Because I was just wondering if they were trying to, like, oh, this used to be the Xavier Academy or whatever, and we've moved oh, on from this point. Oh, I don't think so. But if they, if they were trying to imply that, I missed it. Um, but, I mean, they do, they do know that the X-Men exist, but, but they mention it at one point where they say they're not, they're not preparing us to become X-Men. They're, 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 help, they're creating us, they want us to become villains. Or whatever. Huh, I missed that part. I apologize. Um, uh, there's, yeah, it's, I mean, but otherwise, I mean, I think that may have been the only direct comment about the X-Men that I remember, but I could have missed something else. Um, I mean, the interesting thing is, is that this is a strange combination of, yeah, X-Men, obviously, but a horror movie and very much like teen dramedies i mean uh there's very much a breakfast club element oh absolutely yeah so much the um the funny thing is the x-men comics a lot of it during the 70s and 80s when chris claremont was writing it had a strong horror element and i I, they barely even touch upon that in the movies which is always kind of a bummer because they go for the big spectacle you know almost generic you know, uh, black and white versus, you know, evil versus good or whatever, where there's more nuance in the comics. And I kind of miss that. Whereas this one actually really dips into it because a lot of them are really just frustrated and they don't know what to do with their powers and they kind of lash out at each other in different ways. So I have a question about the, uh, the Iliama character. Uh-huh. And maybe there isn't an answer. Okay, so if she is, in fact, the sister of Colossus, and Colossus is Russian, and she is Russian, right? Correct. They're Russian? Yes. Why is there a point where she gets vulnerable and starts telling the truth about things? Her accent's gone. Is that an accident? Oh. Or... I felt like that was an intentional thing that... I thought that they were implying that this tough Russian bitch character was it to create a character she created so that she could be stronger yeah that's that's a really interesting it does where she's she's like confessing all the stuff to danny and is drawing the picture like and then she's no longer has an accent i didn't realize that at all but um i think you need to watch it again yeah i think i do uh you know also the thing about lockheed is why yes. is why is he a puppet that she talks to for so long? But then he's real, and they're like, "Well, wait, was this? I thought she was doing this as some sort of coping mechanism." But then you know, so it does seem know. like it's a little uncertain. Also, Lockheed was never hers. Uh, Lockheed was Shadowcat, um, you know, Kitty yeah. Pryde's character. That was her. I pet. did, I did read that too. There's a lot of. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I don't hate this movie. But I don't understand. A lot of it I don't understand. And I'm just wondering if it's because of the 25-plus minutes that were cut out of the original version. I just... There's a lot of things that I want answers to. Yeah. The, um... 
Also, uh, Cecilia Reyes, um, she was an X-Men and she was not a bad guy. So that's an interesting thing that they did with the character, which I did not expect. And what the fuck is with casting Adam Beach in superhero movies and killing him off immediately? It's <laughs> the second time I now. I know. I love Adam Beach so much. He deserves so much more respect in Hollywood. He's such a good actor. Stop fucking with Adam Beach. I know he has two scenes. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, I just I think it's a very stylistic, very interesting movie. A complete breath of fresh air from the other X Men movies. And I kind of wish that this and, and Logan are the only ones that are kind of more personal. Like they pull back some on the spectacle and really focus yeah. on the characters. I do think though the demon bear thing is really fascinating because it's all... Now, did you figure it out pretty fast that that was her conjuring it from her mind, right? Um, I figured when... I mean, I the story is clearly very personal, and, it, you know, it. Sh I figured it had to have some relation to her after a little bit because of the, the story, the necklace, you know. She starts the narration with it, you know, and then the story she tells about her dad and all this stuff. I figured that it must be her but uh i mean is she in control of of fear i mean i don't quite understand how her bear had anything to do with all the other kids stuff well it's like i, I never knew her in i never knew her in the comic book character by the by, by the point that i was reading the mutants that she was out of it um but yes. it's something about she can conjure up Images and make them tangible, but in this, that she's so young, she doesn't understand her power, so she can't control them. They just come when she goes into like you know REM nightmares. Uh... So is she conjuring different visuals of fear? Is yeah, it really that, about it, yeah, fear? I believe so. Yeah, because it's not. It's not just the bear. Right. It's not like the bear is her alternate. Uh, ult alter ego or something it's 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 the concept of fear right. and that one is her fear see it's complicated that's why this movie didn't do so well because there's too many questions that don't get answered can, i mean when can she control happy images too i mean can she make tangible uh, well, lollipops you know or sunflowers you know she said her her you know she starts the story and then with her narration and then she ends the story with the narration saying you know her father told her this story about the bear and how there's two entities and you know one is fear and one is all the bad things you know fear uh all this stuff and then the other one's the positive things and she says which one wins and he says whichever one you feed Ah, I really do need to watch this movie again and put my fucking phone down. I watched the movie last night and put my phone down for the entire movie. How did I do this? I got to do this more often. I think it's a, it's yeah. a curse of our constant information culture and my ADD that needs yeah. constant flow. I mean, I like, as I'm watching things, I like to like look up things about the actors and different things while it's happening. But I think that I just need to stop doing that because it is very distracting. Yeah. So even though the this movie, to me, is missing a lot of things that I would like the answers to or would, you know, think it would make the story a little bit more enjoyable because I felt like there was a lot of things I didn't understand. Uh, I do still think that it's very good. 
I mean, there's it, obviously these are very different takes on you know the same kind of concept at, at its base. But the thing that's very, very different about the two, I, I mean, I think is the fact that, you know, in Sky High, they have um, very um, active, very aware, very present adults in their lives. Uh-huh. Um, A support system, uh, too. Yeah, I mean, not all the not all of the adults are great, uh, but they're very present and uh, make a huge difference, positively or negatively, to their experience and and you know figuring out who they are in the world. And in this, they have no support. That doctor isn't telling them shit. No. You know, the only support system they have is veiled in secret. I'm and, a little. Sh- and lies. Yeah, and I'm. I'm a little shocked that they would just leave it to one person. Who is her boss? Yeah. Like, well, she talks to her boss in code on the computer. It's like, it's supposed to be like Mr. Sinister or something. Oh, okay. They're, they like, they reference just loosely the something called X, Essex. Yeah, I don't know what that is. I can't say that word very well. Essex Corp or something, and supposedly in the comic books, it's like uh, the ultra eek, you know, the human version of Mister Mister Sinister is like the 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 owner of this Essex Corp. Uh, I don't know. I was I only know that from reading like some of the info in the trivia, you know. Okay. I I wouldn't have known that otherwise, but that's supposedly what it is. Is that she's answering? She's like an employee of a corporation. She's not, I mean, she might actually be a doctor, but her intentions are not good, and they're not her own. She's acting on the will of others. Yeah. Entirely, so. I wish wish this had been successful, and they could have, like, righted the ship a little bit, because if they were going to follow the comics at all, um, after this, you know, when Professor X dies, uh, well, he's died a couple times in comics, but in the movies he's also died, uh, is Magneto tries to make it up to him. And honor his legacy by taking the kids that were in the in the academy, the New Mutants, and and become their leader. And he becomes a force for good, and really changes. Well, hot damn! Wouldn't that be a cool story? That would have been. And then the, it went to shit though, because in the early '90s, Marvel decided everything needed to be more extreme, so uh, they gave it over to Cable, and you know the Josh yeah. Brolin character, and then he turns him into like a military, like elite fighting force and I was like oh you've destroyed and they, they're like well we can't call it New Mutants anymore let's call it X-Force so all I know about the characters now is that Cannonball and Sunspot graduated to be uh, Avengers which was a lot of, I, I really like Cannonball and Sunspot they're, they're my favorite characters of the bunch Yeah, I, I hope his career intended. isn't done. I wonder what he's up to because I, I think at one time he he's was even... up to nothing, dude. That he's sucks. Up to nothing. This kill. I think he directed a couple episodes of the Stand miniseries for Paramount Plus, and I think that he probably got that job before anybody ever saw this movie, and he's done nothing since. Oh, this, sucks. I think, fucked his career, and it's not really his fault. Yeah, I could have sworn that he was attached to one of the Star Wars movies, but. 
Like, it doesn't no, look like I don't time. think so. Um, the Fault in Our Stars. Is that good? Yes. Okay. Might, very might, good. We might do that for one of the episodes because that is a teen movie. Um, it's a, yeah, it's a, we should do a couple, maybe we could do a couple uh, that are like teen movies based on books. Okay. That'd be cool. Bum, bum, bum. I can't remember what we said we we're going to do next, so I'm not going to say it on there unless you remember. Hmm. Um, we discussed it, but I, it slipped my mind at the moment. So, also, um, I think the best part of not saying ahead of time is you don't end up in moments explaining, hey, I know we said Sky High and Zoom last time, but Zoom sucked. <laughs> yeah, so, we still do that, though, anyway. Yeah, we're fools. All right. Um, it's good sometimes for us. I mean, it's okay if we talk about movies that we don't, we don't like it's okay to like be like oh you know what this doesn't hold up you know 20 years ago this was enjoyable it's not so much now that's okay too yeah it's that's okay true. to watch something yeah. so i'm glad that we changed the movie but uh you know sometimes we're gonna watch some shit whatever <laughs> i think our our bottom was i know what you did last summer <laughs> yes yes i agree with that <laughs> all right everybody check us out on facebook uh twitter i guess if you're Liking toxic no. waste dumps. Don't do it, guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, it's your social media. Uh, our podcast host. You know, I'm going to shut the fuck up. You know the show by now. If you're listening to the show, you listen. You know where to find us. You, you found us right now. <laughs> All right. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>